Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost. My guest today is the lovely Alex Bragg. He's a four-star eventer and someone I've wanted to talk to for ages because he just makes eventing look so much fun. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode where we hear all about Alex and his eventing journey. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Um, I'm really excited today because I have a guest that I feel a bit like a stalker. I've wanted him on the podcast for ages. His name's Alex Bragg. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. I have wanted, I'm good, thanks. I have wanted you on the podcast for ages because I've seen you at events competing. We have a little bit in common because you used to be a rugby player and my brother was a professional rugby player. Oh, okay. And I see your family and you always look so happy at every event. You know, when you see people and think, oh, I really want to be friends with them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are trying to enjoy it. Um, I don't see the reason why you'd do it if uh if you didn't so um yeah fingers crossed the success will continue and then the fun will continue well l- l- take me back to the beginning then because because a few years ago you were a rugby player and then i believe your wife simone you know you were blessed with some children so you ended up taking on the ride but at that point how what made you change from a rugby career to an eventing career well there are a lot of things that were changing at the time you know rugby's quite a physical game there's not a great deal, well, there wasn't a great deal of money to kind of back kind of 15, 20 years ago. There still so, isn't now, uh, to be honest. <laughs> not for the punishment you have to take. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'd got married, we'd, we'd bought a house, um, Simone fell pregnant, and actually responsibilities kind of kick in. Mm. Um, so I kind of thought then that maybe I should take a backward step a little bit from, um, from the rugby. Mm. Uh, and then I missed, the, missed that kind of competitiveness uh, and then at, when Simone fell pregnant and I had the opportunity to ride her horse, that kind of uh, introduced something competitive back into my life. And mm. um, and it kind of just grew from there and it uh, it, it took over, I suppose. <laughs> so were you riding while you were playing rugby or is that something that Simone introduced you to? I rode when I was younger. Um, I did all sorts on ponies. Um, I did Prince Philip Games. Uh, then I did show jumping. Yeah. And then when I was 16, I, um, I stopped riding, just had enough. And um, I also started training as a farrier. And then it, it was, yeah, it was something to do. The lads that I used to play rugby with at school just got me back playing again. And, um, and then, it, yeah, I just I got kind of uh, spotted, I suppose, talent spotted and then taken on 
at the academy at Bristol and and then that's where it went um so when Simone introduced me back into the horse I was a little bit rusty <laughs> and my uh my body shape probably wasn't wasn't quite right for a, a horse rider because I'd been training a lot for rugby at very broad shoulders and big old neck I think I looked like a gorilla riding on a horse really <laughs> uh, my uh, my my dressage wasn't particularly great um but then yeah over the years refined everything back into riding and um and it's yeah that's that's how it began and and here we are now wow so you actually changed your body shape again back to a more I, I guess leaner kind of style yeah yeah well you know when you're when you're playing rugby you're you're trying to put on mass so you're you're eating a lot of food and doing a lot of heavy weights uh and then yeah when uh when I came back to riding I suppose I just dropped all the heavy weights and started kind of eating a bit more normally mm. and uh and then slowly your body just kind of changes back again I suppose really mm. I guess it's um I guess I'm probably more at my natural kind of body shape now whereas when I was playing rugby it, it was it was a kind of produced extra kind of mass and muscle and I mean I'm still small compared to some of the guys now they're huge but um <laughs> I know but, they're yeah. insane aren't they well yeah I think you needed to be fit and strong just to make sure that you stayed in one piece at the end of the game more than anything <laughs> but um yeah now, now I'm obviously you know dedicated to the riding and um yeah just keep my fitness more more kind of in tune with that so you don't want to be heavy because you're you're doing endurance when you're going cross country so you want them to be able to go fast and you don't want them to tire out so if you're carrying an extra stone or two stone that's unnecessary then um that's that's going to impede you doing so well so um yeah you got to stay got to stay race weight which is what i say <laughs> it's a good idea it, it used to oh i i could never watch my brother playing rugby because i was always worried that something would happen and i heard that simone has the same about you eventing she's a bit nervous for you yeah, yeah, the cross country particularly. So um, I, I don't think she she barely walks the courses actually because uh, you know she would worry about certain fences too much. But um, I guess it's nice for me because it it tells me that she still cares for me. So that's great <laughs> after so many years being married. But um, yeah, I think it is. Uh, my children now are riding and competing, and it mm. is definitely harder being on the floor and waiting for them to come round. Um, so yeah, I do kind of sympathise with her a little bit. Well, you're out of control, aren't you? You can only do so much training and advice and, and give them what they need. You give them the tools and then you just sit there with your fingers crossed praying that they've taken it all in and that they're going to be okay. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I think when you're in the driving seat, you're living the moment. So you don't have time to actually feel nervous when you're going, whereas they just literally just have to wait for you. And um, and I, I like every rider, I suppose I've had my moments where I have fallen, and um, every fall is is pretty kind of theatrical. So um, it must be awful to watch, and then you're running to try and find the horse or or me, and you you're not sure what you're gonna what you're gonna get. But um, yeah, I've, luckily I've been okay through my career, and um, it's all right. And she is getting better, I think. I think they just ply her full of wine and then that helps. (laughs) But it's nice for her. You know, us women, we have to have children. And uh, when we have horses, we kind of think, I can't speak for Simone, but I can just think for myself, is that, oh, I don't have nine months off to stop riding. And um, and you feel like, although you really want children, you're giving up your passion. So what's so lovely is that she can live her passion through you. 
yeah definitely it's a it's really a family kind of thing which is which is great and i think that probably does come across really always as if i can have the children there i think it helps me relax um i feel more settled and i i seem to do better anyway but yeah it is lovely and i think she thoroughly enjoys it and it's, it is a very very social sport anyway there's a huge community in the eventing world but our our owners in particular and our support crew are fantastic so they're all all great friends and um and they yeah they just they really really do enjoy the day as well as um obviously hopefully the success that you might get at the end of it well that so. really comes across every like i said every event we've seen you at, you look like you're just having an absolute ball and enjoying every moment and what's interesting is that's not necessarily winning it's knowing from what i get from you just from an outsider is your horse is progressing each horse progresses each time and you can see that you're really proud of that yeah well I, you know we spend a lot of time with our horses at home working with them and um yeah, I think you do feel if the horse is really trying, um, then you can always have patience with it. You, you feel frustrated when you feel that the horse just has let you down, that it mm. just couldn't, couldn't be bothered. But as long as they're really trying, and, and that's a huge, I put huge emphasis on that at home with the way that we work the horses to make sure they're enjoying it. And they're always thinking forward and, you know, they're always wanting to go to the next show um, because I think that's really important. There's no point having the best six-year-old horse in the world but by the time it's 10 and it's going to go three and four star it just can't be bothered anymore mm. you know you want it to to really still be enthusiastic then so um yeah I mean and and I think the horses feel that from you I genuinely do I mean some people they don't think a horse's performance really relates to whether you have a relationship or not it's just the fact that you're the rider you're in charge and the horse does the, the job but I actually think that when you're in those sticky situations, which you do get, mm. unfortunately, if the horse really wants to do it for you, it will just pull through and um, and help you out. And um, I just like them to be, I'm quite a committed person and I've, I've had some falls sometimes from being overcommitted. But if the horse is as committed as you, then I think you're on a winner and mm. um, you're going to be successful. And, um, and yeah, that's what I look for in my horses and want to produce in them. And that's what I enjoy when they give me. So, oh, it's perfect because it is a partnership. And I, you know, I know horses. One well, mine, for example, is pretty rubbish with me, but with another <laughs> rider, they've got an amazing partnership. And I adore him and love him. And you know, it's all about the feeling and the relationship. But still, I, I'm not good enough. But with her, they just have this magical. It's like they're one with each other, um, which I just absolutely adore watching. So, your team around you, then you've got grooms, owners. Um, Simone does a lot of the riding, doesn't she? how how important are they that you put together your your a team oh uh, yeah really important i think um that's it's vital when you are at an event under pressure that you've actually got your your team relieving that pressure from you by making sure the horses are ready um everything else is done and all you have to focus on is the job that you uh, at hand really which is either you know jumping that show jump track or going through your dressage or um, cross country. Hmm. So we quite often look, you know, we see you at the at the big competitions like Burley, um, yeah. but we don't see the behind the scenes hard work that it takes to, to build up to that point. Um, and so, so when was it that, uh, what year was it that you gave up the rugby and moved on to eventing? Oh God, so this is a long time ago now, <laughs> so my age. Uh, I, it would have been 2000 and 
2003, maybe I gave up my rugby, and then um, 2004, I rode my first event horse. Wow. So, yeah. so we're talking about 14 years. Yeah, 13, yeah, 13, 14 years ago, yeah. Which ultimately, it sounds like a long time, but some people are riding for longer than that, and they never make it to that level. So what was it that was different, do you think, that you did differently to be able to achieve that? Uh, I think it, it's... It's an individual thing a little bit. Um, I think if you're driven, then that will always help you become successful. Uh, and I think I am particularly driven, so that's that helps. I suppose I did my first three-star after about five years in the sport. Um, and I was at, then that horse never went higher than a three-star. And then I produced some more horses up to that level. And it takes time to produce those horses. Uh, and these all these horses that I've got now are ones that have come up since they were four and five year olds so you can put that time scale into practice actually probably couldn't have done it any faster than we did Mm. Um, but I don't know really I think you just got to try and find some horses and and just stick at it um, get some good training and just really want it watch the other riders listen Mm. to the other riders and um, pick the best bits pick what works for you and um, and make it happen really but yeah I I don't know. I, I, I am, I'm driven to win, which, <laughs> and I think that that is an important side of it. There's, there are people out there that just enjoy taking part. And don't get me wrong, I do get a lot of satisfaction and reward from the horses doing well, but I do it to eventually ultimately win. Mm. Um, and I would like to not just be at Burley and Bampton participating, but I'd like to be there hopefully holding up the trophy yeah. one day soon. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I have this vision. It's going to happen quite soon, but I don't want to jinx you. So, um, no, no, uh, no. Well, I do. I, I really like watching the riders to learn from their mistakes as well, because um, let's be honest, it's easier to learn from somebody else falling off and hurting themselves than it is from when you do it. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. But I think um, it's it's very hard when you experience that. I mean, when you're living the moment in that cross country course, everything happens so fast. So you could watch a playback of somebody's video clip of them making a mistake at a corner and jink like the horse like running out or you know getting a stride pattern wrong and it not working for them. But actually, until you've lived it, I don't think you can really tell what you're going to do. So you kind of need to learn how to adjust when things are not perfect mm. more so when things always go perfect you, everyone looks like a professional <laughs> but the the things you need to learn is when things don't quite happen perfectly and how you can still get to the other side of the fence and mm. I think you've got to live it in the moment to do that a little bit it is only experience unfortunately mm. do you at, the, at that time when you know everyone's running on the cross-country course and I don't know, you're about to run, maybe you're about an hour away. Do you watch everyone else's runs just to see how the course is going? I'm a bit selective. I will watch certain fences, which I just want to um, check on how the stride pattern is with maybe the undulations of the ground and stuff like that, or the the quality of the ground, whether it's deep or, or fast going. Probably pick certain riders with certain horses which are more like mine to watch. But after that, no, I would just um, be going through the course in my head and um, focusing on my round because you don't want to be over-influenced by somebody else because really, ultimately, you've got there with your horse and you know your horse best, so you should know how to hopefully produce the best from him yourself. Um, so, yeah, not, not be too influenced by other people. 
That's really interesting because we've got a lot of new young riders coming through, which is so exciting. I spoke to a lovely girl called Ivy Freeman Atwood the other day, who's 18. And um, she's just made, she's running two star now. She's hoping to get up to three star. She said she's a bit nervous about it because um, when you make that next jump up to the next level, that's when it gets nerve wracking. Um, So what would you say to them for somebody that wanted to make that next step up to three star, the kind of things that they need to be thinking about? I'd say just check that you are dead confident at the level that you're currently at. So if you are a two-star level already, you know, as long as you're running around those tracks, the horse feels really confident and you feel that you're consistent. If you're consistently putting in the same performances, then you're ready for a new challenge. Um, If you feel that it's a bit hit and miss, one time you have a good run, then you have a really bad run and then a good run, I'd say it's... little bit dangerous ground to then make the jump because if you're on a bit of a bad run day then it it could be catastrophic so um, Mm -hmm. make sure look for consistency in the way that you're riding and the way the horse is going and then um and then you're ready for that new challenge and and that that's a time to to really try and ask a more experienced rider for help when walking the course um again you have to bear in mind how your horse goes if you're on a little horse and he's riding a big horse you know your stride pattern is going to be different to his but um you know do take that when I first went to Burley I asked Andrew Nicholson if I could walk the course with him and he kindly took me around the course and I think it was it was really really helpful and riders are out there to help people do want to help because everyone's been in that position themselves so Mm. you know if somebody was on the course and came up to me and approached me to ask about a fence I'd be more than happy to help them you're and gonna actually, have a cue now though now that you said that <laughs> <laughs> well i'd like you know it's nice to give something back um because the sport's given us so much so um yeah i'd love to love to do that you know if i'm a rider rep anywhere then i I really try and interact with the riders and and make them feel that they can approach you because mm-hmm. although you are there to be approached sometimes people are a bit scared and nervous so yeah i'd advise them not to be too nervous go and approach people ask people and um and when you do leave that start box don't doubt yourself, you know, be in a position where you're going to attack it and, um, and feel that you are, you're going to own it really and get around it and, um, and win. You got it and go out to win, just yeah. go out to win all the time. <laughs> then you'll, then you'll ride confidently. That's yeah. my, that's my theory anyway. Oh, I love <laughs> it. So what kind of things do you do at home? Can you tell us a bit about your horses? Have you, have you bred any? No, no, uh, I'm not really into the breeding side of it. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to have a lot of patience for that and a huge setup really. Because you have to, you need a lot of turnout for the mares and the foals and things. And I, I find that actually, you, you probably stand a better chance of getting a good horse if you see it as a three, four, or five-year-old. A little bit like brothers and sisters. <laughs> you know, you could, you, there could be four brothers stood in front of you, and and one is going to be more talented at one thing than another. And and as you go along the line, so you know, you could breed four horses, and one of them would be great at cross country, and the three others, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you might as well save your time and money and just go and buy the one which which is going to be good at what you want it to be that's my view on it um i know it's a lovely story when you you kind of like an owner breeder and stuff like that but um you you really need to have the time to devote into that um whereas at the moment i'm kind of you know i need the horses to be active and that doesn't start really until they're five years old so um it's best for me to to have a yard full of those and up than it is to have um, 
you know, yearlings and stuff running around. So do you take them on at five or do you take them on slightly younger? It just varies, really, depending on when they're delivered with people or when we find them. So, you know, we've we've had some horses from three, four, five. And recently this year, we've had a, a sort of six year old come in. But um, generally that kind of younger age where you can start the training from scratch and um, you can put the building blocks in place. Because I really think that that's that's important as well, that that they learn they learn what is expected of them right from the beginning. Mm. Um, because some horses, otherwise, they just don't always give you a hundred percent. You just got to, you know, when I go cross country schooling, I would ask the horse to travel to a fence and see the question and expect him to work it out for himself. Whereas if somebody has worked it out for them all along their career and then you get it as a seven and eight year old and then suddenly you're in a position where you need him to think and respond and react and he's never done that before but you as a rider expecting to be able to do that that's when you could end up in trouble so yeah. it's it's nice if you know the horse inside out and he knows what's expected of him from you and from himself and then that makes the difference when you're out there on the course but how do you get a horse to think for himself because if i get my i'm bearing in mind i'm not an eventer i'm at you know four feet on the ground we plod around kind of dressage kind of girl you know how do how do you get your horse to think for himself because because mine comes from my confidence that i give him and i i don't know and i hear this question a lot is how do you get your horse to actually make their own decision so obviously you want to have influence as a rider um and it I think if anyone's had a, a riding lesson, it's always harder to do less than it is to do more when you're riding the horse. And I think what you do when you're training the horse and you're approaching your grid work exercises or your cross-country kind of combinations is you put the horse in the right pace, in the right position, and then you just have to allow it to learn where to put its feet. You don't want to be unbalancing it, so you make sure your position is good. But you're really, you don't want to be pulling and over kicking and stuff like that, but let the horse actually find its way. And then when you're in a competition and you are applying your leg and your hand and making it a little bit, or giving the horse more help, you know, the horse can do the job a little bit better and a little bit quicker. But then if there is a situation where the horse stumbles or trips or you're left behind, then he, he has got that kind of tool in his box to, you know, the boss is not there. Hang on a minute. I know I can see the flags ahead of me. I'll sort the sort the job out and carry you through. And um, I had that situation at Babington this year on Zagreb, where we didn't have the best stride going into a double of corners about two thirds of the way around the track, and um, supposed to be a big two strides over the second corner. And we got there on two and a half. And really, I just sat there and thought, don't interfere, let him figure it out. And he just kind of sucked his body together and mm-hmm. just <laughs> threw himself through the flags. You oh, know? Wow. And, um and that is because he wanted to do it and he he kind of knew however he could with his body he, he just had to get between that white and red flag so and that's what you want to try and introduce in their training right from the start just by cantering through a pair of wings and you make sure that you're always giving them a channel to go down i suppose and then they look for that channel and that will help you out in the future for sure this is amazing i'm going to be Does that, make sense? that makes perfect Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. They're going to be putting flags up everywhere now, um, <laughs> giving my horse a focus. So you, you're a teacher as well, aren't you? You're a coach. So have you got any protégés coming up that, that we're, we should be excited about? Uh, well, I, I did have a lot of working pupils like a couple of years ago um, mm. and they're all doing well. A young lad, Steve Heal, uh, actually beat me on the weekend. I was <laughs> second to him in a novice class. Um, so he, he's set up now on his own and or he's just starting to set up on his own and, and he's doing fantastic. Very proud of him to see see him go on and do well. Um, yeah, I do coach a little bit, um, but it's difficult now with time. Mm. This year has been very, very hard because we've been away a lot, a lot of international events abroad and things. So, um, to dedicate time to to coaching it's not fair on your your pupils if you're not around enough so i've actually taken a backward step from that and just focused on um on my horses for the moment um but it is nice to see the the kind of guys from the past doing really really well and they still ask for advice now and um and it's nice and i still go out and give them some grief in the <laughs> in the warm-up and Wish them well, but not too well. But, um... <laughs> oh, and so what's your aim then now then, if you're, you're focusing on your horses? So now my two top horses are heading to Po in France, which is the four star over there at the end of October. So, you know, that's the main focus for them. And then, yeah, next next year, I think I'd, I'd like to do the event rider master series a little bit more seriously. That's great at a three star level competition, an amazing series that they've put together. Um, great for the spectators, great for the sponsors, great for the riders, mm. great for eventing in a profile. I mean, it's just amazing, really. Um, and then Babington. I'm hoping to get my two four-star horses to Babington and um, have a good crack at winning that, fingers crossed, wow. in the spring. Well, you have twice the chance then if you're putting in two horses. Good tactic. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's one less competitor to compete yeah. against <laughs> because I've got two other slots. Yeah, I mean, it, it is an advance, I think, having the two horses there. Um, because you, 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 if you make a mistake on the first horse, at least you get a second chance. Mm. But um, yeah, it's great for the owners as well. It's a wonderful event. Um, well, it's really... a massive achievement to be able to have two horses there because you know it's hard enough building one and training one to get to that level. Let alone having two is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the top guys, though, you know, as at times they would have had you know three or four or even more, you know, and that's when you can 
um, kind of contest the, the Rolex Grand Slam with Kentucky, Badminton and Burley. I'm not in that position yet, but hopefully in a couple of years' time, these young younger string of horses are coming through and our string of horses is much stronger. Each year, you know, we kind of pass on the ones which are not so great and then we get in some younger ones which we think have got the talent and keep pushing on through. So um, hopefully in a few more years, you'll see us up there with a, a string of three and four star horses being able to compete at that. But um, yeah. but yeah, two horses is great. And they're the first two horses that I started from scratch myself. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I'm very 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 proud of them and they've come through the journey and um and i think that echoes through like i say about this partnership thing and them really fighting for you they are mm-hmm. super cross-country horses and they would they would go to the end of the world for me and i i believe in them and i think you know that that kind of replicates back to me and they believe in me so they would do anything that's really lovely because as as an owner oh my goodness i would love to be an owner and to give you a horse and say there you go alex (laughs) keep him take him do what you can with him but i think some owners that i've seen sometimes they get so far and then they kind of jump ship and they go somewhere else and i think oh it's so hard for you to keep that relationship with them where you have a good working owner relationship where you get to keep the horses they stay with you for as long as possible yeah definitely I mean that's where you just need to rely on your owners being loyal um I have mm. a great set of owners with me now you know hopefully they'll all remain under you know there's some of the owners which I know I can really rely upon and they are they're amazing um but yeah that does happen and it's happened to us you know horses have been sold and you know people have cashed in but you mm. you just have to when you do it professionally you you have to take that on the chin really and accept that that is going to happen and not let it get you too kind of demoralized about the sport and just keep focusing on the horses you've got and I think if you do well enough then you've got to almost you've got to give them no reason to move the horses you know mm, if true. they're seeing the horses doing really really well with you um, and they're being successful then why would they jump ship and go somewhere else so um, mm. I think yeah, just um, sometimes don't make too many excuses and actually just knuckle down and work a bit harder. And um, hopefully, you know, you might get one of those horses come flying your way. And I'm sure those people wouldn't complain about that. So, um, True. you know, you've got to take it both ways. But I think you you just have to build a really secure team around you. And um, And I think if the owners do feel that you're doing as much as you can for them and you're realistic um, mm. and honest, then hopefully that will kind of get them to be loyal and honest with you and stick with you. Fingers crossed. (laughs) I guess it's patience as well, isn't it? I think sometimes our, our expectations of our horses are a little bit too much. And I think we need to just remember that it does take time for, to build good foundations, to be truly successful takes more than six months. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Way, way more. Like I say, going back to this partnership thing, it, it takes seasons to, to really build and that's when you're going to get the best from the horses and yeah you know I've had horses where people have brought them for me to sit on and I've been realistic and said look let's see how we get on at this and then we'll go from there and they've taken the horse to another rider to try and they've said yeah I'll have it at badminton in two years oh. and I'm thinking it's never going to go to badminton in two years it might one day but never but the the owners are driven by that and they will take that to the other rider and then you see the horse not doing so well but then that's the owner's decision to have done that. 
Mm-hmm. And actually, I think long term, that owner probably wouldn't have been the best owner for me anyway. Yeah. So I probably had a lucky escape. You know, so you've got to look at it. If you start off realistic and the owners are willing to be realistic with you, then I think that's a long term kind of relationship that you can build um, rather than just kind of promising the world now and always kind of failing to kind of reach that target that you set yourself mm. so um you don't need to put any more pressure on yourself than no, the sport already does exactly I you're guess. in a position where you need to be able to get on and do your job and you need to look after the owners and make sure that everyone's happy but ultimately if you're spending more time trying to please everybody else you're not going to be doing what's right for the horse or yourself yeah definitely you know you you gotta you gotta take everybody's interests kind of into play so if an owner has a particular thing you know you try and work with them but yeah, ultimately, you know, they have to have trust in you in how you're going to produce this horse to make sure that it gets to the top end of the sport. You know, you don't, it's lovely to win at, at pre-novice and novice level, but no one will remember you for it, you know, and there's no point in having the best novice horse in the world that then never goes any further. You know, mm-hmm. people recognize you at the big events and you need to just try and educate the owner sometimes into remembering that and thinking, you know, this horse, it needs to have its, you need to save its confidence, you need, you know, you need to save its legs, you know, so let's kind of look after this, train it, produce it properly, and then in a couple of years' time, you'll you'll be at the, the kind of Blenheims, Bramhams, and hopefully then Badminton and Burleys, really. So um, I think communication, maybe, is that, that's probably the best word. Yeah, like so I would like to go and buy a horse and I would like to bring him to you <laughs> be yeah, an owner um, what, I like you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of uh, well how much would you expect me to spend on a horse I mean let's say I'm looking at a youngster because I don't have hundreds of thousands of pounds to buy a you know super experienced one I would like you to train him from the beginning um, so we're looking at four years old are you, are you looking at £2,000 horses or are you looking at kind of £15,000 horses? Got, I mean we've got horses on the yard which were given to us for free uh, we've got Redpath Ransom was you know nearly heading down the road of actually being put down before he came to us so mm. um, you know he that was a, a better path for him to become a four-star eventer than the other mm. um, yeah I mean a, a horse Bomberhon Blue Mist who's six years old now we bought with the owners a three-year-old for just a few thousand pounds over in Ireland. Yet we've got some horses here where the owners, you know, have kind of paid, you know, twenty to thirty thousand pounds for the horse, which has been five or six and done a couple of events. Um, so, whatever your budget is, there is a way of finding a nice horse. It just depends at what experience that horse has already had and and how quickly you want to get going. You know, if you want to go and buy yourself a, a three or four year old, then you're going to need to be patient for 12 months. You know, whereas if you can go and get yourself a five year old, then um, you can get cracking and get out to some shows quite quickly. But that is going to cost you a little bit more money than starting. So depending on what you've got, depending on how quickly you want to go, 
there's always a way of finding you a really nice horse. I guess what I want to show is that it's achievable and that we don't all have to have, you know, all be millionaires to be able to support riders like yourself. Like, okay, I'm being really honest here. I, I could never yeah. be an eventer. I couldn't. I don't, I'm not good enough. I don't. I'm not brave enough. Um, it scares the life out of me. I feel more connection with Simone, you know, stood on the sideline worrying <laughs> than, I, than I do riding. But yeah. I'd love to be involved in that environment. And I know many of my friends that you know they they are, love show jumping um but would love to be involved in inventing because they like the thrill of it so what i'm trying to show i guess is that we can all play a part in the future of the industry and yeah. in the future of each individual discipline without needing to be millionaires no definitely i mean um and that's where sometimes syndicates can be a great thing mm-hmm. you know where um you know you can either a, a few friends or whatever could get together and share the training costs. And actually then if you if you think, well, do you know what? I could afford to put in £3,000 to buy a horse and there's four of you. Suddenly you've got £12,000 to buy yourself a nice young horse. And then your monthly fees are are kind of a quarter. So, you know, it it's all becomes affordable really. Mm-hmm. And also we, we've got a, a, a great fun syndicate in place here where um, it's called the Team Brag Syndicate. And the guys, actually, they pay a £100 registration, a £100 a month during the event season. And that it gives them part of the, that gives them all the ownership benefits, access to all of our shows at Team Bragg. And, um, and they have a horse that we own ourselves mm. to follow and support. But I think if our team, I'm sure other teams might be similar, I don't know. But our team, you know, whenever we go to an event, a lot of the owners will turn up even if their horses are not running to just support us and support the other owners. They become quite friendly with one another. So, um, yeah, actually, there there are lots of different methods of getting involved. And if anyone was out there that did want to get involved and they wanted to talk about it and find out their options, the best thing is, is to just ring up and, and speak to a rider. Obviously, pick me first, I think. Um, but if I if I die, I don't work for you, you know, speak to the riders, and um, you know they they can maybe just enlighten people on how they could do it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Actually, give them a realistic cost of of what they think it might be, and same as with everything, really. If you have a budget, you could say, well, actually, look, this is what I wanted to do. Um, this is what I'd like from the sport, and this is what I've got you know, every year to spend on it. Mm. And then, yeah, there might be a syndicate option available there. Um, and yeah, just, it's because it is so social, it's actually quite nice for people as well because you can come and be introduced to new people as well as maybe coming in with a few friends. And before you know it, you've suddenly um, gone away and, and actually you're enjoying several days out each year um, rather than just 10 events with your one horse, you know. Mm. So um, it can be... It can be great. You just need to ring up and and find out what's available, really. And that's what's lovely is that riders like yourself are approachable. And I think sometimes we have this fear of um, not, you know, you're so good, not being able, not wanting to bother you. That's the truth. We don't want to bother you, but but it would be lovely to be able to be part of your journey and um, and yeah, be involved in those events. Yeah, definitely. And it's really exciting for us as well. You know, when um, when I came over the finish line at Badminton, I mean, there were heaps of people up there supporting us. It's a local event for us. But, you know, all of all of our owners, of all of the horses, we were there with just one horse with one set of owners, but all of the owners were there. And the guys were crying and hugging, you know. <laughs> I, think, 
I think they'd nearly bought all the Prosecco of the bar and like drunk it dry. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely, it was absolutely mental. So much fun. And um, for me, coming over that finish line and seeing that, mm. it's, it's just so rewarding. I think I had every emotion under the sun going through me. I was, I was proud. I was ready to cry. I was like, I was, uh, oh, it's all going on. And that is what you get from people being around, that huge team spirit thing. So, um, mm. yeah, I mean, the, to be involved is is great for them, but it's also immensely satisfying for me when when I deliver and um, and yeah, just make them smile. It's it's really quite nice. Oh, it's lovely. And and your sponsors, um, your sponsors play a huge part as well. And I think you know, for a lot of uh, a lot of new equestrian businesses, I'm seeing a lot that are popping up all over the place. Um, they would love to have the opportunity to sponsor you. Um, and I, I guess that's just phoning you up and asking you, you know, if if sponsorships available, because I'm guessing your sponsors are a, a massive support for you. Yeah, definitely. You know, we have we have great support from um, Gatehouse Hats, uh, Mark Todd Collection, Devico. Uh, uh, there's a, a competition venue, Pontus Pool, which just ran their event on the weekend, which supports us. You know, we we have like lots and lots of people. Which really, without them, I think it we just couldn't really afford to to run at the level that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have people supplying us with show jumps to help train so we've got better facilities we've got people delivering good forage for the horses i mean all of that type of stuff really just helps you just helps you to keep running at such a high level and you just couldn't do without it you know um it'd be nice i think our lorry is actually coming to the end of its day soon so we might be out there begging and for a, for a new one of those off of somebody soon but um but yeah you know sponsors owners the guys that work behind the scene I'm the one that gets to ride the horses and um and really live in the limelight but all of those people do such an amazing job to to help us stay on the road and and stay winning which mm. is um what we want to do well ultimately you've got the responsibility of all those people as well these staff so you've got to pay them yeah yeah and that's that's a huge cost nowadays if you want good staff you've got to pay well um and to be fair they're probably worth it so yeah it is important to make sure that you can make money out of the sport to keep that going there isn't a lot of money in it you do it for the passion i think i don't think we earn probably as much as the grooms earn from the game really so it's important that we win some prize money but um mm. but yeah it is it is a business as well as a sport so you've got to make sure that all of that side of it runs really well also mm. and what was the most successful event you've had this year oh the most successful event i would probably say was over in arken um i was i went over there with the nation's cup team although i was an individual uh, was the highest placed brit over there and finished eighth in I mean Arkin is huge it's just thousands and thousands of people there and I also had the privilege of taking a second horse for the invitation class in on the Saturday evening and the main arena under the floodlights was rammed with 40 or 50 thousand people and um we won that class which was just I mean it it, it was oh god it was epic you know I was running I was gantering around the arena punching the air and getting the crowd to just they were screaming the energy coming in so I just think you know as well as being successful it was just probably the most enjoyable moment ever 
in my horse career so far. So um, mm. Arkham was very, very special for me. I've seen a recent, a, a gorgeous competition. I wish it included eventing. It's in New York and it's the New York Central Park Horse Show. And I just oh, okay. think that would be phenomenal to be able to compete there. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think they're springing up kind of competition venues all over the place now, which is fab. And to be something so central with so many people around, it is so accessible for people to come along and support. And mm. I think um, it is having those venues with people there is what creates the atmosphere and it's the atmosphere that makes the event so special. Mm. So I think we've got to remember that and not put ourselves on a pedestal. And sometimes as the British people, we can be a bit stiff up a lip and it's <laughs> all a bit rah-rah, you know, you, it's all for this and that. But actually, you know, if you can kind of reach out to the masses, then um, mm. it, it just... It makes it amazing. You know, I think this is where this event rider master series has has really taken off because it's um it's it's really brought everybody and involved every element of the sport and made it accessible to people. So it's super really. Well it's so. pulling in the crowds, isn't it? So let's go back to your rugby days of when you're in an arena and you've got sixty thousand people cheering you on. Ideally that's what we'd like at every single show in the equestrian industry. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you do that, that's gonna bring more money into it and actually mm-hmm the sport should keep improving so um yeah i think there's some people behind the scenes maybe that could um could maybe kind of take a look at that and uh and maybe push that a little bit more maybe so but that's not my job no (laughs) i'll work on that don't you worry good go for it (laughs) it's been such a pleasure talking to you thank you so much we can follow you on twitter and facebook what's your what's your handle uh, well, we are Team Brag eventing on Facebook, mm-hmm. and so you're at Team Brag. There you go, at Team Brag. So that's easy. Yeah. So it's nice to nice to remember. So yeah, definitely follow us on that. Get involved. Make some comments. Make some support, and um, get to some shows and just start screaming because um, <laughs> that's I love it. So the more you scream, the more I'll punch the air. So oh, we great. will. Thanks so much, Alex. Speak to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. What an incredible week we've had. It was Horse of the Year show and you can catch up with everything that happened if you head to our website horsehour.co.uk. It was a really exciting one this year uh, with top riders competing in show jumping. There was the scurry driving, even the Pony Club Mountain Games. Um, You can see all videos and photos on our website and as always on Twitter and Facebook and our Instagram. I hope you've had a really good week with your horse. Uh, There's previous episode of the horse hour podcast you can also catch up with you can listen on itunes or acast again on our website and one that's been really popular this week is kissing spine um, i released it a couple of weeks ago with bnw equine vets if you if you're worried about your horse having kissing spine then do have a listen because the guys at bnw just explained what it is the signs the symptoms and the treatment and another episode which was released last week is on wobblers Have you heard of wobblers? I hadn't, I'll be honest, until one of our followers um, asked a few questions about it on Horse Hour on a Monday night. And um, she was just a bit concerned. She'd heard the word, didn't really know what it was, and was concerned that her horse might have it. So uh, do check out that episode on wobblers and neck arthritis too. I also love to have your feedback. Anything that you'd like to listen to, anything that you'd really like us to research, then you can drop us a message on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, or you can email me, team at horsehour.co.uk. UK. I hope you have a great week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. 
Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.